What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are taping this on the second day of May, and we have a fantastic episode lined up for you guys today. It's a Tuesday, and we just had the NFL draft uh, over the weekend in Kansas City. Uh, Major League Baseball first month is a pu- is over, and we're in the full swing of the season now. And we have a guest. This is a little story I'm going to share here. This is someone that I've actually wanted to have on this show since the very beginning, even before the beginning. Back in 2017, I graduated from college. I couldn't work because of my health issues and limitations. And I started thinking about how I wanted to create a podcast because I couldn't work. And when I started it, I knew I was going to initially just be getting going. I'm going to be having some of my friends on. People can go back and listen to my college buddies in those early episodes of the Jack Vita show. But I also thought, hey, when I start having guests on, there are three people that immediately came to mind, actually all from the same season of Survivor, that I wanted to have on this show. The first one was Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick. Nailed it. She's been on this show a bunch now. (laughs) The second was Mr. Gary Hawkins, Gary Hogaboom. Actually have not talked to him yet, but maybe someday we'll get him on. And number three is the woman that we're speaking with today. The woman who won Survivor Guatemala. She appeared again on Survivor Winners at War. And really the reason why I thought all three would be great guests is the sports connection. And Gary played professional sports. Stephanie was a great athlete in her own right and has she's married to a Major League Baseball player who won a World Series. And Danny is even more in my field than those two are because <laughs> Danny's a longtime sports radio veteran. She had a show in Kansas City for a long time. She had a show on ESPN for a little bit. She made some other appearances on other ESPN shows. Yep. And then, like Stephanie, married a Pro Bowl football player. So is married to a former is married to a professional athlete. So you combine all of that. Now, six years later, it's finally happening. We have Survivor winner Danny Boatwright. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to finally connect and be on the show with you. But, you know, the thing is, I have in my defense, I've become a mom and it's busy. (laughs) I hardly have time to sit down. I mean, with us connecting, you know, before the show, like I hardly have time to sit down and like just have a soda. You know, <laughs> but I wouldn't rather have it any other way. But isn't it funny that that um, Gary Hawkins, Gary Hogaboom <laughs> and um, Stephanie and myself? Yeah, that we do have that uh, sports tie. I don't know if there's been a season where they've had that much in common like they did with us in Guatemala. But yeah, and it's funny because you guys were all sort of all over the place in terms of tribes like yeah. Stephanie and Gary started on a tribe together and then. Stephanie was separated from Gary and then you ended up with Gary. But yeah, it's it's just funny because I mean, I remember I was just thinking about who would be some people that I can get on this show that would be somewhat obtainable. Like I'm not trying to get Mike Trout on here quite yet. (laughs) Maybe someday. Um, Although I did talk to him at spring training. But I mean, I was like, okay, you know, these people were on Survivor. They're they're famous, but they're not like ultra, ultra famous. And I, I didn't reach out to Danny until a couple of years ago. And it was just funny because 
she just saw the message. So that should tell you how busy she is. Well, that and I'm so bad at social media stuff. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't even have it. It wasn't for like my other business with Sideline Chic. Like that's my, the reason I really have social media is, you know, because you have to do so many sales, right? Through social media, you, you have to have it. So that's really why I even have it. Because to me, it's annoying. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just too much. And I, you know, I, th- we could go down a whole rap. <laughs> But not a fan of social media. Don't my kids laugh at me because I don't even know how to work anything, and I hardly ever check messages. But I'm so glad we did, and so glad that we connected. But speaking of Stephanie, it's really funny. We're a lot alike, and we really hit it off on the show. And it would have been interesting had Stephanie and I been on the same tribe from the very beginning. Would have been interesting how things would have turned out. Um, or even Gary and I, of course, Gary and I ended up being on the same tribe at some point. We really connected and, um, you know, he became a part of our alliance. So it would have been interesting had I been on um, the same tribe from her from the get-go. I don't know if there's been a final two, at least in the early, early days of the show when they still had a final two, mm-hmm. that were like the same profile. Like uh-huh. you guys are so similar in terms of you played sports growing up. You grew up with brothers. She grew up with brothers. Yeah. Like very sporty girls, very tough, um, good athletically. Uh, but also just like, yeah, you guys, I think you guys are all, I don't know you as well as I know Stephanie, but very similar profiles. Yep. And I am curious to know, you mentioned it, you brought it up. So if, when you saw those two up on the pyramid, what was your initial reaction when you saw Bobby John and Stephanie were playing? And did you have a preference as to which one was be on your tribe? Well, I was a fan of both of them from their season before. And I was surprised they brought them back. And I honestly, I was not happy about it at first. You know, everybody's like, yeah. So I'm like, having a you know, clap, like, oh, great. I was a fan of both of them. But being an athlete, I understand what uh, advantage that is, that you've played the game before I have. Okay. I have no idea what to expect. You know, you understand everything about this game already. You've played it. That's a huge advantage. If I go run a marathon, like my first marathon, I didn't know what to expect. The second time I knew what to expect, took a ton of time off, right? So I was not happy from a competitor standpoint, like, okay, they got to go right away. And I was shocked that everyone on the other tribe kept Stephanie around because I'm like, gosh, guys, she's going to obliterate you. She's stronger. She's smarter. She's played the game before and you're keeping her around because you're a fan, you know, fanning over her. Um, but I was not happy at first when I saw that because I thought that's the unfair advantage. Although I had been a fan of them, but I don't want to play with them, right? I'd just rather be a friend. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think things would have shaken out if Stephanie was on your tribe? Well, you know, I, first of all, I got Bobby John in my tribe and we became friends and, uh, and we were on this in the same alliance. And I knew that from watching his season that I could use him to my advantage because he's loyal and, you, you know, watch from his other tribe. And so I thought, well, he is a good person to bring in um, to my alliance. If I had been on the other tribe, I don't know if I would have had Stephanie right away in my alliance just because I know she's all about the win. She's competitive. I respect that. Right. But that's also something you got to be a little leery of. Right. So I don't know how that would have worked out if I was with her, which just would have been interesting. But with Bobby John, um, you know, it worked great. He was part of our my alliance and um you know, he we, we went far together in the game, of course. So and he was and great. a great work ethic. You knew he was going to work hard. You remember that from the season before and he did. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So you're set. You're sort of saying if you and Stephanie 
let's say it was the first time you guys were playing and you didn't know what she was like and you didn't she didn't pose that immediate threat coming in you think you guys could have played the game together the whole way and had a pretty strong alliance oh yeah i definitely think so and even on our season like i said I would have been leery just because of, like I said, the advantage she'd have knowing the competitor that she is. Knowing that she's a lot like me, and I'd be cautious about that playing a game. I mean, I'm a loyal person, but when I play Uno, I'm going to cheat to win, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so I would have been cautious. But because we are so much alike, probably like we did hit it off in the game. So being there from the beginning, if we would have had that that word that, you know, we're going to stick this out to the end, um, then, you know, I, I probably would have worked with her just fine because she is loyal. You know, she she has shown that um, in both of her well, the first season, she didn't have anybody. Right. She was just by herself pretty much. But um, our season, she was very loyal to Rafe. So, yep. It was interesting. And I'm curious if you have a different read on things, because I just rewatched both of your seasons in yeah. preparation for this. And I'm also announcement for the listeners. I'm going to be speaking with another Guatemala cast member in a couple weeks. Oh, struck Stevens. (laughs) So Brooke will be on. But um, in preparation, I was watching and something that I noticed is Stephanie from the way it appeared to me. I don't think she wanted to get rid of Judd. I don't think she wanted to get rid of Cindy, but Rafe positioned himself very well. He had you. He had other votes that I don't think she had much of an option but to go along with those plans. Mm-hmm. And so when you kind of speak to the loyalty of her, I think it kind of broke her heart that she had to turn on someone like Judd. I don't yeah. know if that's a correct read on that or not. Well, she was very loyal to Rafe. And I think that was the person at the beginning, right? The two of us were going to the end. Okay. Um, with Judd, I think she would have been, she was loyal to Judd, but then it was me who put the the, the the doubt in them that, so Rafe wanted him to go, and but he really couldn't say anything. He even told me that, and I understood why. So I was kind of waiting for the opportunity to take um, a conversation that Judd had had with someone and then tell Stephanie and Rafe in order to plant doubt in them that he was coming after him, which he never said he was coming after him. He just said to Lydia, uh, you know, you've got to eliminate who's the, the head, who's in charge. That's the biggest threat. Well, at the point time, that was Rafe and Stephanie, right? So I come back to that conversation. It placed that doubt. But the mistake they made was they never went and actually talked to Judd about it. They just assumed, and I'm glad they didn't talk because then at Tribal, that's when they got rid of him. So, you know, she was loyal. I think she thought he was turning on her. So I don't really think that that was Stephanie not being loyal at that point, truly. I just think it was she really just should have communicated with him to find out that he never said about them <laughs> directly, right? I mean, he was still talking about it was important to get that, you know, the, to the people who are really in charge running the show, which was them, but he never said them by name. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm just trying to think if there was a way that even if she had patched things up with Judd, yeah. if, like, would she have been able to save him? Because... Um, if you, Rafe, and Lydia all vote for Judd, mm-hmm. then there's Cindy, Judd, and Stephanie. Yes. So yeah. it's a three-three. It seems like best thing she could do is tie, unless she's able to turn that vote onto somebody else. Yeah, well, and that's thing you didn't want to tie because you didn't know how that was going to come down. So yeah, yep. So yeah, so yeah. you don't think she could have really changed that vote? I don't you guys were so. locked in. Yeah. Oh, we were locked in. I mean, she might have been able to ch- 
changed Rafe's mind. I mean, Rafe and Steph were tight. I mean, that was, you know, but um, I think she also knew Rafe and I were, Rafe and Lydia and I were all really tight too. So she was kind of stuck in a, a spot there. Yeah, I think she was stuck in a tough spot because of the way Rafe played. Was yeah. it, it seemed like Rafe had, he had you and he had some other votes in his pocket. And it seemed to me like he was able to target and to get out, you know, Judd and some of the other Maybe. alliance members, knowing that Stephanie was going to take the brunt of the blame yes. for it. Yes. Even though it seemed that yes. he was kind of the, you and him were probably the two that were making those votes happen. Yeah. Well, and too, so she was tight with Judd, right? She was tight with Jamie and uh, Rafe. Trying to go back and think about the game again he felt very threatened by them, right? Like he thought they would really come after him or were the ones that maybe could pull stuff away, you know? Um, and so, yeah, he needed to get rid of them. And the whole time he really thought he could trust me 100%, which could have if you were at the beginning and you really, I was your main girl, but I wasn't, Steph was. And he, I had mentioned that before on some other podcasts, but um, my alliance was to my guys who were already, you know, voted out. That That's who I was you know, true to. And once they were gone, then it was full force ahead for myself. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the game, unfortunately. I felt like, again, this is another one, my read of watching it. So tell me if I'm wrong. I felt like Rafe and Steph really lost the game at the final four when they didn't vote out Lydia instead oh, of, yeah. When they didn't vote me out and they voted. Yeah, or yeah, sorry. When they didn't okay. vote you out and they voted out Lydia. No, 100%. And that's when uh, Jamie said, like, at, at tribal council, and he's walking, he's like, why why would you take the, you know, the the, the distance runner, right? The, the, the endurance queen with you to what is normally an endurance challenge, which they've changed that now. But um, it just didn't seem smart. But I also acted like at camp that I was, you know, I think Ray felt like no matter what, he for sure had a sure in at the end taking myself or Steph, right? So that's that's why he convinced her to take out Lydia because I'm like, why would you why would you do that knowing you could beat Lydia, but you had, you know, a much better chance of beating her than you would me. It just was a colossal mistake. But I remember Gary telling me before, you know, when he knew he was getting voted out, he would tell me, Danny, he's like, anything's possible. Okay. Doors will open up. I know it seems not possible right now, but anything's possible. So keep looking, keep working, keep playing. And so every travel council that I came in and I was still alive, he was just smiling like, yes. <laughs> and so, I mean, that was a major door that opened up for me. And I obviously took advantage of it. And, and uh, but that was a colossal, yeah, mistake on their part. That was, that was the biggest one right there. That was the game changer. So, I mean, you would have beaten Rafe, right? You feel that way? Um, yes. Yeah. And, and everybody said at the end that Je uh, Jeff had asked them, you know, if it had been Rafe with Danny at the end, who would have voted Danny? And they still all raised their hands. So, yeah, I think they just did too much damage to their uh, their tribe. So at the final three tribal council, I picked this picked up on this watching. The jury yeah. looks very happy when they see that you won the final immunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was an urban legend. I Maybe you can confirm or deny this, that the jury walked in and was like actively cheering for you. And Jeff Probst told them, nope, walk back in. We can't, we got to reshoot yeah. that. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. They all walked in and just, I mean, as soon as they were coming in from the side and saw that immunity necklace on me, they're all high-fiving and yeah. <laughs> and he's like, 
Because he hate probes hates to have to re-shoot uh, something, right? They want to get it all organically. And so there's only the, the two times I've played, I can I think there's only three times maybe that they had to kind of you know redo something or something like walking in, they had to change the lineup or something like that. Um, but this it was, you know, because of them, you know, hooting and hollering, it was giving it away and they had to, yep, yeah, stop and retape walking in again. And then they all walked in like <laughs> so it was funny. Yep. I knew I couldn't wait to see Gary walk in and see me with that immunity necklace <laughs> on that neck. He's like a proud, you know, older brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now Rafe tells you at the final three that he's releasing you from this final two agreement that yep. he had made or that you guys had made. Did that really change anything for you? Would you have taken him out regardless? Um, you know, I, yes, I, I think you know, I would have, like a plan was going to take him out, but I mean, I did think it over. Um, but I, I had to tell myself, and you have to go for the, the shoe win. Like that's why you're here for, right? Your brothers are going to be ticked off if you do not. And you see so many times in Survivor, people rule with their heart instead of their head. And so I was like, no, I have to take Steph because, um, I, I know she upset way too many people. That's the shoe in, you know, to to win. But I really thought I either way I was going to be fine. Once I won that immunity, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I think we pretty much got this. But you never know. Um, but also the other thing too, at the end was Steph. It's kind of like I felt like she really was the better player than Rafe. You know, uh, but Rafe did great. I mean, he won immunities and all that. But she'd played a season before. You know. It was kind of fan favorite, all that. And it was just kind of like, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so there's that kind of element of things too, that you're like, okay, you know, let's, let's go for it. But you were talking earlier about how much Steph and I are like, and we really are, except for, you know, she's a little younger, a little prettier, a little more athletic. <laughs> the only thing I have on her is I'm taller. So <laughs> that's the one thing I can brag about. This stuff, I'm taller than me. <laughs> the height served you well in that challenge. Yeah, you know, it, it. let me tell you, it still sucked for me, okay? Like, I, I was in a lot of pain um, at the very beginning because I was so skinny. And you're, you know, lining up against that pole, my spine was just, you know, it's just sticking out, right? And I have scoliosis too, so I have curvature of the spine. So that is just mm. an uncomfortable position that I was in. And I, everything started closing in on me. So I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, and it still was very hard on me. My legs were shaking, super tired. Um, I hadn't eaten as well as anybody else, you know, that was, you know, left there. Rafe and Steph had been on a few rewards. But anyway, but, but we were all tired and hungry. But, um, I think the little bit of height did give me a little bit of advantage, um, obviously on that challenge, but I was about to pass out at the beginning and I was like, no, we're, no, this isn't happening. I locked in prayer and I remember my, my pain was still there, right? Like I still felt miserable, but it was like, I had this immediately, this surge of energy, energy that was like the surge of energy that was like unexplainable. I had I didn't feel like I was going to pass out anymore. I didn't feel like things were closing in. I wasn't getting nauseous. I was still uncomfortable, but like I knew I could do it. Like I knew I was going to make it through. And um, and I also thought about my dog Hondo who needed hip surgery. And I'm like, if I win this, I can justify paying, you know, $10,000 for a new hip for my, you know, Rhodesian, <laughs> Rhodesian Ridgeback. So that also gave me a lot of energy as well. And um, 
it was awful. And I kept acting like I was fine. I was twirling my hair, <laughs> yawning, looking at my nails. And I remember Jeff asked, you know, Danny, this looks like it's so easy for you. And I was like, well, it sucks. But, you know, I'm a marathon runner. You know, I've got this. I'm going to stay up here as long as I need to. Just hoping Steph would, like, give in at that point. Like, she fought, man. She really fought. So, but Yeah, it was a little... Uh... It's hard to watch her just break down in tears after she lost. Was that, I mean, that it, it only was like, what, 20 seconds on the show. I have to imagine that lasted a little longer than we saw. Yes. Yeah, it did. I can't you know, remember exactly. That was, you know, what, 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> she, just being a competitor myself and an athlete, you know, like, you know how that feels, you know, and, you know, to go so far and have fought and then to know like that's probably it you've lost because they knew if i won immunity they were you know probably done for and um, then how that feels it sucks and then now especially having kids and like watching them in sports like i feel that you know like you're like oh gosh man when you see somebody just give their all and try and then fit like it's just so heartbreaking so yeah but it yeah it, it did last a little longer and and uh rafe and i went over there and you know we talked to her for a while um but I still think that stung for a while, you know, when just when she was there crying, she's a competitor. Yeah. Those things never leave you. Do you think Rafe knew that you would have taken him out either way going before he tells you that he, you know, did you think that when he said, Hey, this is no. Mm -mm. I think he thought, um, I know Gary had, you know, was trying to work for me before he left the game. I was telling Rafe, you know, you really can trust Danny. You know, she's one. You can, well, yeah, you can if you're part of my alliance. But we were still playing the game, right, at that point. And I think he really thought that. And obviously, if we'd been together from the beginning, and if you had told me, listen, me and you at the end, um, I'd been like, okay. But he was kind of like a, a cheating spouse or, you know, a cheating <laughs> boyfriend. Like, you know, you had this one, but you're playing over here with this one. And uh, that doesn't work. So. <laughs> well, that's what. So I'm curious to know when he it. says that about, hey, you know, you don't have to take me. Do you think that was a sincere, like, this is bigger than the game move? Or do you think it was a little bit of like, hey, I'm going to look really good on TV? I think it was that. I don't think he was really sincere. Well, I mean, no, he, why, why would you do that? I mean, I just, yeah, I think he just, yeah, I, I, I no, I don't think it was sincere. And because yeah. he's a, you know, competitor, I don't know. Maybe not. You'd have to ask Rafe that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, I just, the way it came across to me was like, you know what? E- either I win or I lose, but I'm going to look like the good guy here. And yeah. this can kind of yeah. become a, a part of my story that's going to make the air was my sort of read on that. And it could be yeah. wrong. but No, I think you're right. Yeah. That, that's how I would take that too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Let's see. What else do we have to discuss here from Guatemala? So, hey, but was- Rafe's gone on to be crazy successful very successful yes and that is so fun to see i think it was in the movie theater and i saw uh something that he was directing or producing or you know whatever i can't remember what it was up the top of my head i'm sure i was yelling at my kids for throwing popcorn or something but um (laughs) i was uh yeah i was like yeah rafe you go because you know rafe's a good dude he's really funny so it's great to see him successful oh yeah i've heard he's a great guy um he is i was curious to know I had heard you were pretty sick at the end of the game. Is that yes. correct? Yes. You know, both times I played, I got super sick. And um, this last time that I went to Fiji, I remember one of the um, uh, media outlets that we were interviewing with, the, the gal was also at Guatemala, right? Interviewing all of us. And she said, 
she had to take off and leave because she got sick. And when the season wrapped, she well, she goes, I swear to you, my first question was, Does anybody die that season? You nobody died. They all made it back. And they were, <laughs> yeah, she was shocked. And because everyone got sick. And oh, I was so sick at the end. And I mean, just um my stomach, like just, I mean, I came, I couldn't keep anything down. Um, it was awful. I mean, for a long time and lost so much hair. And it really took a toll on me. Yeah, when I came back, I was really sick. So you weren't playing that up at all to try to have them think, "Oh, she's sick. She's not going to win." You were since you were actually. Oh, very, I very really sick. was sick, but uh, during the game, I would also try to act kind of like my inner ear was messed up, my balance was off, like things like that, to think, "Oh, maybe she would be okay to take you know to a challenge or keep going because we can beat her." Yeah. Uh, but no, during the game, I felt like no, the, the main thing I got so sick was because I was 96 pounds when I came back. Right. I'm 5'10". And so just 30 pounds less than right now. And I'm like super thin, you know, <laughs> right now. So I was completely emaciated. And um, so when I started to eat and kind of get back into the swing of things is when I just really, really got sick because my body couldn't handle it. Yeah, it takes a toll on you. People don't realize. I hate when people go, oh, do they give you food off to the side? Do they I mean, no, it is real. Someone tried to tell me their friend knew, uh, their friend was a nutritionist on the show. And I was like, maybe for <laughs> the people back at the camp, you know, but not for us. We got nothing. So, is that bad. different when you play the second time? Oh, come on. They're a bunch of pansies now. <laughs> I'm like, well, we get rice. You give us rice every day. And then water is, you know, just a well where they're going and putting bottled water in it for you every day. I mean, you may get a few bugs in it, but it's not like walking down a croc infested water and, you know, boiling it and sifting it and worried when you're going to get your water that an alligator is going to, you know, or a crocodile is going to jump out and get you. It's a big difference. So, yeah, you still are hungry, right? I mean, we didn't get any food off the side, but we got rice. So, and I, I did earn some peanut butter on the last one. So I had like this jar of peanut butter, like a stolen, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, so it, it's just definitely not as hard. And it's in Fiji now. What? <laughs> Africa or Guatemala. I mean, come on. I thought Guatemala was the last old school, at least the end of that first era yeah. of the show, because the next season they go to Panama, they start reusing locations they, they've been there three times at that point in like only just a couple of years mm -hmm. that season also they start introducing more i know they they introduced the idol on your season but then it the idol really becomes a focal point of the show mm -hmm. um the exile island and i think after guatemala was i i like to always say that the first 11 seasons were survivor was an adventure show and then yeah. after 11, it becomes a game show where everyone yeah. kind of knows how to play. And it's more about the strategy and the twist rather than the location. And for me personally, I miss that was like the survivor I loved where I'm like, you know, Guatemala may not be everybody's favorite season, but I think it's a really good season. And one thing I love about it is how they intertwine the Mayan culture into the yeah. season it was so cool Wasn't those pyramids cool? Yeah. yeah i mean to think how old those pyramids are and just and, and we we're out there in the thick of the jungle and that's what i loved about those old school seasons it felt like it embraced the culture around in which you know the the uh, country that you were in and uh when we took off a uh, helicopter once we'd won our reward it was me 
Stephanie, Judd, and Gary. And we stayed over at that mansion and uh, we were flying out. And you could see the little kids coming out from the school or from the little buildings waving at you. And I was like, that is just so cool. And yeah, I missed that about the show, about those old school seasons. And then the challenges. Remember some of the aerial views, like of our challenge where we had that uh, that little um, maze like you had, that you had to uh, run through. And it was yeah. just, oh gosh, it was so cool. Um they just don't have those anymore. They recycle so many challenges. There's more interesting things now, maybe about the gameplay, right? That makes up for that. But it was just really pretty and so much history in, in some of the seasons. So I miss that. What was, tell me everything that was different between 2005 and 2020. I mean, I guess it was technically 2019 that they were filmed Winners at War, but it'd been 15 years since you had been on the show. And well, I guess before that, had there been opportunities to return for you before that? Yes. So there was um, a couple of times they talked to us about blood versus water, but my husband was still playing. And um, so you know, they, that couldn't really happen. Um, and, and they really wanted him, right. They didn't really want, weren't too interested in anybody you know else coming out there with me. They wanted that dynamic. Um, and then, and then Culpepper would have never played if that was the probably case. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, me and Casey out there. Um, but then um, Heroes versus Villains was another one. But I just had a baby. And then, unfortunately, um, I think that was when my husband's high school football coach, Ed Thomas, was shot and killed at the school. Oh, my gosh. And it was a big, um, obviously it was a big story and it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and um, all over, you know, every national media outlet. Um, and he was like a father to uh, my husband. So we had a, a lot going on at that time. So Man. like, no, not, not yet. Not quite ready for that. So, um, but there's been a couple of times that I get more opportunities to, to possibly play again. What changed the most for I changed a lot over that <laughs> period. So th that was different to play from having no kids, no spouse, no like responsibility. Like that I could completely focus on the game the way I'd like and be prepared to going out there. And you're thinking about your husband, your kids, you know, my mom, my, I'd lost my dad. So my mom's a widow and I'm with my mom every day. And so I was worried about her. And when at winters at war, when we had the family visit, when you see me fall down bawling, it was like, I was just so happy, of course, to see my son, but my mom, just everything we had gone through of these, I mean, lots of stuff with our family, things that we had gone through. I was just so happy to see her out there and share that moment with her. But I was also so upset because I wanted to share like more Victoria's story with her than what I had. Um, but then also I hadn't watched the game in forever, kind of here and there, because I'm focused on my family and I was focused on my career. I wasn't focused on making Survivor my career or Survivor my life. Some have, and that's great. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. Um, but I just hadn't, and it made a big difference for me personally. Now the game change was pretty significant too, because like we just talked about, um, location, um, the challenges and more endurance challenges were better for me than, you know, some of the challenges they have nowadays, but, but just that the time for like, it would take hours and hours to do challenges back in the day. And that's just not the case anymore. And I think that's because Jeff Probst has gotten soft and he doesn't want to sit out there very long. <laughs> um, and dude doesn't change. He's still so handsome. I was like, oh my goodness, Jeff, when I look out there, so you look amazing. Um, so he doesn't change. Um, but 
And then just the gameplay, right? I mean, it's just wow, fast, like hit the ground running. And it was just like, it just, you know, mow you over, um, which is what I felt like obviously it did with me. But also um, on my return season, I was really taken back and I knew this and people would message you and they found out like you're going on Winners at War. You know, that's all leaked out now due to social media, you know, warning you of this person, warning you of that person. And they're like, this person is so-and-so with the, they know this person. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure we all know of each other. I had no idea the personal connections until I got out there of like who stayed with who for a while, lived, you know, their roommates and this, you know, this group's married and these ones in each other's wedding. This is the godmother of that person. You know, it was a lot. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like I've met Sandra. <laughs> Hi, you know, <laughs> I've, that's it. And she's met everyone. So it was just it, oh, very different. And of course now it's like, it just changes. It doesn't even matter if you've won immunity anymore, you know, they just, oh, no, we're doing this, we're doing that. And, and that makes it so, um, it's just, it, it's it's so unpredictable, um, which can make it fun, but it's kind of frustrating because then what's the use of like winning immunity sometimes if it's not going to you know serve you the, the the purpose that it should. So it's just it's you know changed a lot. Now I know that you have a lot that you didn't really get to say about Winners at War on the show. Yeah, there was no reunion show. So I want to give you a chance to kind of tell your side of the story and share anything that people don't know about or didn't make the air. And I'll let you go in any direction you want, Danny. <laughs> well, um, gosh, there's so, 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 so much to share. But the first thing is I really, you know, um, Adam, while he frustrates me because of some things that went on out in the show, I do love the fact that he did step up and say, you know, um, Danny didn't get a fair edit. Like she really knew what was going on out there. And I, I was panicking. Yes. At the end, cause I knew exactly what was going on. And like Adam, you know, at the end is telling me, go talk to Rob and tell him Harvey's coming after him. And, all. and when that wasn't happening, but he thought it was my only chance yet. Adam's just trying to take anything away from him. Right. Because we're getting ready to go to, to tribal council. And, you know, he did. And so when they showed that on air, I was like, Oh gosh, I'm going to look like a complete idiot when that wasn't my idea at all. But I was kind of like, that was my last hope. You know, there's a lot of things like that, that happened. And uh, Parvati was actually the one who came up with the idea of voting out Natalie and getting everybody on board to, to um, vote Natalie. But then uh, when that happened, she was putting that all on me. And I'm like, it wasn't me. And then they would listen to her. And I'm like, I was going to blow up things at tribal council, but Adam's telling me not to, he's like, you've, you, you've got it. You know, you, they're going to, they're going to vote her. And I knew that wasn't going to happen, but I was like, well, okay, maybe he's right. But gosh, I wish I would have stood up and just unloaded how everything really happened on my, you know, initial tribe. Then when I got to edge of extinction, I was there with Amber and Natalie and you know, I really enjoyed them. Like we had a good time together. I absolutely adore Amber. She is a wonderful, wonderful person. And Rob is so lucky to have her. I'm like, oh, okay. Rob's a good husband though. They're, they're, they're a great couple. Um, but anyway, Amber's amazing. But um, Natalie, I was just disappointed. And I think Amber and I just kind of saw over time, like how she was just kind of um, changing. And we saw some things like her going off on uh, Yule, who's just the nicest human you'll ever meet. And one time just going off on him in front of everyone. And I was like, Ooh, ouch, that's just not um, a good look for you. And, and they didn't show any of that. And, and then another time I had won um, some peanut butter and 
I had like a couple scoops and then the next day I noticed it had been stolen and had all been eaten. And um, it was her that sold it. And she already had some of her own. And, you know, they didn't show any of these things because they think they really wanted to give her a hero's edit, which she is a badass. I mean, Natalie's smart. She's tough. She worked her tail off. There's You can't take anything away from that. But one of the biggest components in Survivor to me is that, you know, the loyalty and showing, you know, good character. Those are important, too. And being able to... Um, socially play the game. And she did not do that well, the edge of extinction and that cost her at the end. And they didn't show that. Um, they just, and you, you get a lot of that hate mail, right? Afterwards, what you expect. And I'm like, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But I'm like, you just don't get the full story. And that's why, um, you know, that happened at the end. And I even asked her at the final travel council, which they didn't show if she'd eat my peanut butter and she laughed about it. And, um, you know, and blame some of it on Rob too. And I just was like, well, that was going to be the most expensive peanut butter you've ever eaten because that was a bully ass move. And I'm just not going to support that. And, um, and how could you not vote for Tony at the end who did everything perfectly? I mean, he played the game flawless. It was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that was just the big mistake Natalie had made. If she hadn't done those things, it might've been different. But it's just frustrating that they don't show all that, right? And and they didn't show Ben coming up before I got voted out. I was sitting down on the beach and he put his arm around me and he's like, man, I feel like you've been unfairly thrown under the bus and run over several times. And I'm like, yeah, I have. You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, nothing. Couldn't get anybody on board because those relationship ties were just so tight. You know, that people had already had known these people. They had their game plan in place coming into it. You just It just wasn't going to change. And then... Um, another one was Jeremy. Jeremy, I'm, you know, dear friends with now. I love Jeremy, but he was telling everybody I was going through his bag, trying to find if he'd gotten the fire token from, you know, the night before and like just trying to throw me into the bus. And Ethan's like, yeah, she's sketchy. And I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, have you guys seen my season? Like I was loyal to my group. Like I'm not sketchy at all. It just was, it was just unnerving what was going on out there. And I'm like, wow, like I almost had that feeling like, just get me off here. Just let, let me go home. This is just nuts. I don't, this is just not for me anymore. Um, but um, yeah, Jeremy, like I, and I kept telling him, Jeremy, I would have never done it. He played, a, he was, he was really working that up big time. And um, it was, had me in tears then because I was like, gosh, I would never do something like that, especially like, you know, on national TV in front of my kids. Like, it's just not my character. It's not what I do. And so I just felt like I was getting thrown under the bus and run over several times. And it was just mind blowing. And, um, but I, you know, wasn't going to go down without a fight. That's not my competitive, you know, my competitive goes against my competitive nature, but um, you just didn't get many opportunities, you know, to do so. But Amber and I sure did uh, do all we could on the edge of extinction though. You know, <laughs> we fished, we, you know, built things, um, we worked hard. <laughs> so um, I actually, I was surprised because I thought when Rob got voted off and he was going to come over to camp that he would like build stuff. Isn't that what he does? <laughs> and uh, nothing. He didn't fish. He didn't build. He did nothing. <laughs> Thank God for when Wendell came. Or Wendell's like the nicest guy ever. And he made that like rug uh, blanket thing out of rope he found on the edge of extinction and tied them all together and Man, I was cold until Wendell got there. And then Wendell and Yule and I had that blanket. We stayed warm every night. It was great because it got a little chilly there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's just, um, you know, that just, it's, 
And I feel bet a lot of people feel that way um, who've played the game, you know, that they've gotten unfair edits, but you do know that that's a risk going into it and you sign up for that. So it is what it is. You know, you still like to have that other shot to go out there, but, and, and, and play and redeem yourself. But here's the thing. I don't like seasons where they bring people back because it's never fair. Um, survivors meant to be all newbies. It's meant to be strangers because that's the true way that you're going to play the game of Survivor. I think you could do Amazing Race. You know, you could do some other things, but you can't play Survivor and it be true Survivor. Because let me tell you, they all pregame. That happens. That's going to happen. So you're never going to see Survivor in its true form when there's returning players ever. And you and Stephanie both suffered a similar fate when she played because she has a similar thing on Heroes versus Villains where yeah. there's just so much that. Yeah, go ahead. No, Joe, she definitely did. I mean, it was the same thing. Stephanie didn't make a career out of Survivor. Like she ended up you know, getting married and started a family. And her family is, you know, her top priority. And, um, you know, so she didn't have those pre-relationships. Um, and it, it got her. Yep. And it if you get on a tribe that's winning, well, then maybe you have some time to do some things, right? Like, but at the beginning, if your tribe didn't win it, I had a sucky tribe. They couldn't win anything. And I was also mad because the very first challenge, they didn't show me swim out and get the the the, the ring, you know, that we had to take back to our side of the uh, of the challenge there. And um, I swam out there and got, I was like a whole body length. Ahead you got a point on it and they didn't show it. Yeah. And what? No, we didn't get the point because I got oh. it. I was the first one there. Got it. Like I was just proud because Sophie's like a really great athlete. She's a very good swimmer. I got there first and I tossed it. Um, to Michelle. Well, I didn't know Michelle was like not a swimmer, not an athlete. Not Otherwise, I would have tried to toss it as far out to the other side, dove in and tried to get it and swim it back um, to her. And then Sandra wrapped her up in a headlock and then Sophie was taking it and dragging him. And then there was me trying to pull all three back the other direction. That wasn't going to happen. But I mean, I swam. I was shocked when I got there. I'm like, dang, I outswam everyone. <laughs> That's my one moment. Um, but I improved on Guatemala. Obviously, I did really well on challenges. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of frustrating. Cause like, you know, that competitive nature, um, and you want to get back there and like redeem yourself. But anyway, Steph and I had very similar experiences. And if we had been on a winning tribe because stuck around a little longer to where you're getting to individual immunities, maybe it would have been different, but at least you didn't dislocate your shoulder in that challenge. I broke my foot, which was oh. no better. <laughs> I actually have to have surgery on my foot. I played the whole time. Um, on the edge of extinction um, with that. And when I came back, uh, my uh, doctor said, go as long as you can so you can't handle it anymore because once you have foot surgery, because I'm gonna have to have screws and pens and stuff put in, uh, that's no fun. So I'm actually probably gonna have it this fall because now every time I run or do CrossFit now, my uh, foot swells up terrible. So, oh, gosh. Yeah. So I did, I kind of did, you know, <laughs> there we go, Steph. <laughs> Was that on the edge of extinction dash when you like, slipped on the rock oh, or whatever yep. yep yep i fell on a little uh canyon thing i remember adam screaming oh my god <laughs> i thought you were dead <laughs> well, so well that's the other thing i was like natalie is she, she takes crossfit like big time and she's in amazing shape and she's a great athlete we'd get to those rocks and she just sprint down those rocks i mean they're slippery and there's, i mean she just and Amber and I are like, okay, we can't like fall and split our head open. Like we've got kids we need to get back for. Like it's amazing how much more cautious you are towards things 
when you one get a little older, I think just in general, but two being a parent, like my kids are first, my first thought is kids. Like I want to go skydiving. I'm going to wait until my kids are grown and I'm going skydiving. <laughs> but yeah, cause we're like, we would maybe run a little faster across those, but we're, we just definitely were more cautious. And there's a funny story about Amber. One time we all of a sudden were presented this challenge and everybody t- takes off. Well, he, we just put rice on the fire. Okay. Oh, Amber doesn't take off. She pulls that rice off the fire to make sure everybody's rice wasn't burnt so we could come back and have food. Now there is mama Amber for you, you know, so that was kind of a cute. Awesome. Never forget that about her. Yep. So I'm sure you've mentioned some of this to me off the air, but I'm sure listeners would like to know who you're still close with from the seasons of Survivor that you participated in. Um, yeah, from uh, Winners at War, Wendell and I um, stayed in uh, contact. He's been out to Kansas City a couple of times, been to my kids' uh, basketball games. In fact, of course, he comes to the one game with my son, who's a good shooter. Um, decent shooter. I mean, you know, it's not like he's Steph Curry, but, <laughs> uh, but he does well. And Wendell comes and we're like, okay, uh, miss, 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 miss. <laughs> 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 laughing, but anyway, we have a lot of fun. Come back and play games, eat pizza. Um, so Wendell, he's judged a lip sync battle contest that I was um, hosting. And um, so he's been here a few times. We've had a lot of fun. Um, and then I stayed in contact with Yule and uh, Sandra and I stay um, in contact. And then from uh, my previous season, uh, Jamie, I stay in contact with Brandon, who I just love, love Brandon. He's still like a a brother, I love Brandon and um, Judd. I'd stayed in contact with. I went and saw him a couple times in New York. And um, Bobby John and I stayed in contact after the season. Gary and Gary's daughter actually came and lived with my uh, me and my husband in um, Denver when we were out there when Casey played for the Broncos. Um, so uh, yeah, Margaret, we had stayed in touch, and then Brooke. Every once in a while, we'll contact each other, and it's just funny because you know your lives just kind of you know grow apart, but. We all, you know, contact each other once in a while, but there's some of those that you're, you know, on more, you know, visit and stuff. But uh, Brooke, again, we were starting to really hit it off and then we got pulled off the same tribe and she's an amazing human. She's awesome. And that would have been interesting if we would have stayed together. What might have happened? She's a brilliant mind. Um, but yeah, I had a great go of it my first time around with just wonderful people that I really connected with. But here's the thing, again, because it was all newbies, right? If you're going back in, everybody knows everyone. That It's just a whole different dynamic to it. But when it's new, like you're getting to know someone, where they come from, you know, you know some of those people you play with better than you know your own family members because you have all distractions pulled away, you know, no TVs, no computers, no phones. And a lot of times when I speak, um, I that's one of the things I try to challenge people at the end is like, you know, try a day first. You know, and then maybe take a week or go on a vacation. Where we have no TV, no computer, no phone. You know, I know you might have to kind of check those things to make sure everything's okay back home, those, that kind of stuff. But man, it's amazing what it does for your soul and what it does for your family bonds. So um, that was one of the greatest gifts I ever took away from the game of Survivor was that. And I, we tried to, you know, make that happen occasionally around here. Card with teenagers because that phone is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different era really yeah. different era from when even when i grew yeah. up i mean which wasn't that long ago but <laughs> yeah no not long at all um <laughs> yeah, but it, it, truly like it's amazing how you get to know some of them better than your own family and that and and you go through something really even though survivors a game it's like traumatic right because you're starving and you're miserable and and you're miserable and other people are starving and you you just don't know what hungry feels like you just don't know 
and feel like you're out there. I had no idea. And it sure makes you compassionate towards people, mm-hmm. um, you know, that do experience that or just like the less fortunate. Like when I came back from winners at war, I got involved with my mission in Kansas City because I'm like, I know what it feels like to be homeless or to not have a lot of hope. But I knew I was going to come back home. It was going to end. Some of these people feel hopeless. And there's always someone out there to be a pillar to help you up in life. And like they need to know that. And we have an unbelievable mission in Kansas City to do that. And that's why I like to encourage them to get involved with it. There's so many different um, outlets of our mission, too. Like they work with homeless families. They work with just homeless. They work with high risk. They're now working with um, uh, foster kids. Once they age out of the system, they're building a home now where they can have to go and still have some direction and support. And that's amazing because, um, you know, that, that needs to happen more around the, around the country, but, um, it's just great. So I was happy to come back and get involved with the Kansas city mission. City you mentioned, city. you mentioned the mission, something else that we can touch on here. Uh, one of the reasons why I felt compelled to want to talk to you is, you know, obviously I have an interest in survivor. I love survivor. We both love sports, but uh, we have an even greater bond that we share. And that's, you and I are both Christians. I know that your relationship with Christ is very, very important to you. And I would love to just kind of hear how, how you, was there a time in your life where you really came to know the Lord or it became a much uh, greater priority in your life? Yes. There was a time where it became a greater priority because I was raised in a family of uh, preachers and teachers. Okay. My, all, all of my family. And, um, I have my grandfather, uncles, brother, like that were all in the ministry or still in the ministry. Um, cousins, all of them. And they're just have an amazing heart. Okay. And they're these great, great leaders. So I was always raised around it. My my granddad baptized me, which was just such an awesome moment because he had passed away just a couple of years. I was five years old when I got baptized. And then he passed away like two years after that. And so I was always raised around it. I was always a believer, but there was that time once I started traveling around the world modeling. And I really started to, I wasn't in Tonganoxie, Kansas anymore, which was just kind of a little bubble. Right. And it was very eye opening. And then it was also a time where like, okay, who are you? You know, what do you believe? Where are your boundaries? What just, you know, that you really um, felt led by the Holy spirit, right. To, to guide you and like, Oop, don't go here. Don't do that. Don't compromise this. And not that like we always say, when you become a Christian, doesn't mean you're perfect. Right. doesn't mean you never do anything bad again. Like you do, but you, you're quick into it. Right. And you know, okay, the Holy spirit's warning me, like never do that again, or that's not right. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but what it does mean is that like, it's about love and about acceptance. And I get so mad when people talk about Christians being judgmental and being this, that what well, you're judging right now, right? Me, because that's not what it's about. It's about loving and letting Christ's light shine through you and, and just loving everyone because they are God's creation. And um, when I started traveling around the world on my own was really when that was an eye opener for me, but my whole life I've, I've been a believer, but it's amazing to me to hear some people's stories that weren't and to hear what, what it was that was that turning point for them, that those stories are so powerful to me. And I hear a lot of those with my family being in the ministry. And one of my cousins, Matthew Barnett, you have to look, he's a a pastor of a place called the Dream Center in LA. I can't even begin to tell you the most powerful, amazing stories that come out of the Dream Center. It's 
unreal. It will change your life. And the amount, my cousin, the amount that he carries on his shoulders is just so inspiring because he has a heart of gold and he loves people and what he has done for the community there in LA and what he continues to do for people who've gone through human trafficking, um, people who have come out of um, being a part of um, uh, gangs, people who've been drug addicted. I mean, the worst, and he just, man, he just loves on them. And, and with the help of all of his church staff there, how they've changed these people's lives. It's just, it's overwhelming. You've got to check it out. It's absolutely incredible. But to hear those stories, man, it is a check on myself all the time. Cause I'm just like, wow, that that's incredible to see how God um, moves in people's lives. Thank you for sharing that. And I also think it's a, something I would add to that is I think a lot of people who don't quite get it, you know, or they're trying to figure it out or they don't go to church or they're not sure what they believe. And they look at people like you and me and they might think we're crazy. And, you know, maybe we are crazy in some ways. But, yeah, me too. <laughs> but I think the thing that they might not understand is like the reason that I choose to live my life for Christ is because it, it gives me the ultimate satisfaction and the most joy that I can yeah. have in this life, yes. the peace, the the joy and the direction and guidance mm -hmm. when I don't mm -hmm. know where to go. No. I think we're all kind of looking, especially in the 2020s after COVID, we've seen mm -hmm. this serious rise in violence and mental health issues and depression, alcoholism and drug um, abuse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that people are trying to find their uh -huh. hope. Yes. And they're looking to things of the world. Maybe it's politics. Maybe mm -hmm. it's sports. None of those things can truly satisfy you and change your life. And, right. and my life is a, you know, I I grew up similar to you, Danny. But in, when I was in high school, I, I struggled with depression. I struggled mm -hmm. with depression. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I was kind of at my lowest moment was when I asked God for help. And mm -hmm. ever since then, my life mm -hmm. has been different. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, so many people struggle with, and I love that people talk now about mental health and they'll talk about depression and our church is actually doing a whole series on it right now. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Struggle with those things. And it's okay to reach out for help. And there are people to help, you know, Kansas is ranked 51st in mental health uh, help. Like we just don't have it here. Like we should. And so our church has really taken this lead to help people. And I have a family that struggles with mental health. I had a brother who was homeless on the streets of Kansas City, which is mm. another reason why I got involved in mission. He's gorgeous. I have a very handsome brother who's extremely talented. He was a gifted athlete. He's just so smart and just threw it all away for drugs and alcohol. And he ended up on the streets. Now, thank God, he has been able to get his life back on track and he is just thriving. You know, so there is there is hope, and but you've got to reach out for help. But you know, there is, this is the whole thing and you nailed it on the head. People will look to so many different things um, and maybe for a short time that gives them, you know, what they need, but that ends. And so I, I, but I, again, I just spoke to a group not too long ago and I talked about, you know, what gives you joy? Like I get a joy from a cup of coffee in the morning, right? That, <laughs> coffee ends, that caffeine wears off. You know, I like to go buy a new pair of shoes and sport my new shoes. Like, you know, I love those. Those are fun. But everything ends and there's just there's that peace and joy that you get from Christ. That is what so many people are seeking right now. And 
you just can't explain the joy. It doesn't mean everything's always perfect, right? Everything's always, you know, just, you know, uh, as Jeff Probe said to me one time, uh, not everything's a picnic in Kansas in September. <laughs> and when it asked me another question again, tribal council, and gave me the same answer. It's not always that, but I always have that security knowing it's going to be okay, you know, and that it will all work out um, for, you know, for good. And, um, and we learn from those things that aren't going our direction or those times that are painful, but there is this joy and peace through it all that it, you just, you don't understand. And, and that's why I wish people would just, you know, just reach out, man, just say, okay, you know, God, I've never believed before. I'm not sure. I, I, I believe now I, I, I just speak to me, just, you know, just comfort me, give me this peace and just, just reach out. And, and it's a, it's a game changer. And the other thing I just get so mad about is people calling Christians judgy or this or that. No, a true Christian is not. A true Christian is about love, acceptance. One of my best friends is um, a Hindu. And I'm like, uh, you know, she's one of my best friends. I mean, you can be free. You can still, you know, um, you have a lot of friends who believe differently than me. They're my friends and they, they, they know where my heart is and they respect that. And, you know, it's about loving and accepting everybody as a human being, because like I said before, they're all God's creation. And that is true. Christianity is, is, is loving people. And it's so simple. I'm like, that's the answer. And everybody messes it all up. <laughs> it's just love, love your neighbor, you know? Well, some people have been hurt by churches in the past. They've, you oh, know, yeah. no, churches, they're, they're good and bad churches and basically every sect of the faith. I mean, they're, we're all humans. We screw things up and some right. churches are not great churches, but just because you've had in a bad interaction with someone who claims to be a Christian or someone who claims to be a pastor and you've gone right. to a church that hurt you, you can't, uh, you should not allow that to take you away from all that God has created you for and right. blessed you with. Oh, Absolutely. So I tell everybody, so you're made for greatness. Everybody was made for greatness. God's given you every tool that you need in order to fulfill his will for your life. Okay. And the world will try to steal that from you. And you know, people try to destroy that in you and you can't let that happen. And the other thing is every church is flawed because they're, they're human beings, right? They're, they're all going to be flawed. You can't put all your hope, your faith into man. So not even to a pastor who's supposed to, to lead. And yeah, they should be as perfect as possible. They should be as, as Christ-like as possible, but they're flawed. They're human. They're not Christ. And um, so you you can't rely on that. You have to understand that they're, they are going to mess up. But Christ is not. It's not going to change. He's going to be that pillar there always for you. And even people who lead you to the Lord or people that you look up to, they're going to let you down. That's why you have to give forgiveness, right? Like Christ has forgiven us because People are always going to let you down. And once you can understand that and know that, I think you can obviously have a healthier outlook on faith. And here's the thing. For me, it's not religion. Everybody's like, oh, you're very religious. or you're No, I'm not. <laughs> religion starts wars. This is relationship. It's having that personal relationship. And church is great to go to. And, and for so many reasons, I believe you need to be in a church. But you don't have to be. You don't have to go. You don't have to. Um, it's about that personal relationship with Christ, reading the word, you know, searching for yourself, going in prayer. Um, but it is um, important to assembly, too, with other believers. But, um, you know, there's just no you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to. Yeah, that's all religion. And I think it's I tell a lot of my friends, you know, I think it's funny is. Jesus was like a hippie, man. And he hung out with some of the, 
the craziest people, you know, and just with the wildest stories. And like, he loved characters. So just remember that. <laughs> you know, true, true Christian. <laughs> it's true. So I'm curious to know, did you ever have any of these kind of conversations in either of your times on Survivor? With Were you bonding and praying? Are you, you guys prayed a little bit on Guatemala, it looked like. Yes. And uh, Wendell and I prayed a lot. And Yule, uh, when we were out on uh, Edge of Extinction, um, it was never shown, but uh, we did as well. Um, Guatemala, yes. They, uh, Gary, it was funny. Gary, Bobby John, Brandon, and I, like we would pray over the food. And Brian, who I love, I stayed, that's what I want to stay in touch with Brian. I'd love to see him play again. But Brian was like, I'm not praying for this food. It's maggots <laughs> and this and that. Why that? <laughs> which I understand that, but still grateful for everything. And just, you know, just grateful for each and every day and being able to play a game like survivor and keeping it perspective. That is just a game. Um, so we did, we talked a lot about our faith there and that was shown. Um, like I said, it wasn't, um, in, uh, at winners at war, but, um, every day I would go start my morning with prayer. And then, uh, when Wendell got there, he's like, Hey, Danny girl, what are you doing? You know, down there, I was like, well, every morning I start with prayer and says, like, can I join you? So he would come and join me and we just share things about our, you know, just the things that we were going through or families going through or whatever. And it was just a great uh, time. It's like really healing and therapeutic. Cause I was actually going through a lot of things uh, with my family, with my brother and, um, Wendell's going through some stuff. And so it was just, it was just great to be able to really focus on that and support each other. And even when we come back, hold each other accountable to things we wanted to be better about in our life and uh, Yule as well. And uh, so we did at, yeah, winners at war too. We definitely had hmm. time that we'd share our faith. And man, it is amazing. Like I said, to get all the distractions pulled away and to like walk down the beach at sunset in Fiji. Like I felt so close to God. I'm like, look at this, look at this gorgeous creation. This just didn't happen. Okay. Um, and I was just blown away by God's beauty. And it was just, it was, it was really uh, powerful to, to just go sit out in these rocks out in the middle of the water and just feel the warmth on your face and just pray with no distractions. Hmm. It's pretty awesome because it's very easy to get distracted when you come back home. That's really cool. I think that's an awesome story. And Gary Hawkins, we <laughs> have to discuss Gary Hawkins because now, all right, I'm going to bring this up. Okay. Someone that was technically a coworker of yours at ESPN, but not really because you probably never met him or yeah. interacted with him. Yeah. Bill Simmons was yeah. a huge Survivor fan. Uh, yeah. He probably still watches. I don't know. But yeah. he cool. was very adamant back in 2005. Yes. That, you remember this? Remember what he wrote about you? I think so, saying that there was no way or something. That yeah. that <laughs> it was like, producer tipped her off. Yeah. How on earth would she know who Gary Hogaboom is? This is ridiculous. Well, and I think I told, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but it was, um, I mean, normally, no, you wouldn't, right? Unless you have a family member that goes to school there in Central Michigan, and there's like a shrine of Gary Hogaboom there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you're like, okay. Wait a second. And then growing up, like my brothers were big, you know, football fans, um, cowboy fans, Redskins, um, the um, uh, Steelers. We had a cat named Bradshaw after Terry Bradshaw. Like people <laughs> don't understand like the environment that I was raised in. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, and uh, my stepdad was a again like Stephanie. Yes. Yeah. All these brothers. My dad was a coach. Like, I mean, I think I've talked to you before about maybe, uh, I think we did about like the mad Hungarian. Like he was like one of my favorite players, you know, because he's just, you know, he's just crazy. And when that's a typical <laughs> like athlete, it felt like those, you just know some things that just 
most people don't know that are just sports fans, right? That really are dive deep into it. Um, or I'd run home from school or from church every day um, when it was finished to watch this week in baseball. You know, I had a baseball card collection. My birthday as a little girl growing up was always an all-star game because um, it's July 13th, it's my birthday. And so like that would have these birthday parties. Like I am just I am a total tomboy. Um, it's amazing that turned out like girly at all and like to wear dresses <laughs> as a tomboy when I was little. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I did know who he was. But then I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. But then he fooled. I was like, okay. And then like, oh, okay, maybe you are a landscaper, Gary Hawkins. So he had you. You you believed him. Well, until he said at camp, uh, yeah, I went to Central Michigan, but I, I didn't. I didn't. Put, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you look like him. You did go to Central Michigan, but you're not him. Okay, we're gonna let this slide because I loved Gary and was working. You know, with <laughs> I tried to bring it up beforehand to throw a little, you know, chaos. Yeah. <laughs> That was so funny that you were like his, the heel to him as like the face is just like your kryptonite is here and she's a sports radio host in Kansas city who has a connection to central Michigan and is, and the only thing that's funny too is like, he's saying that I, it seemed like on the show again, I, I only see a little bit, but he seems surprised to be like, Oh really? People think I look like that guy. It didn't seem like he was ever like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he and I, we've crossed paths. Like we've run into each other before. Like people think we're twins. Like that yeah. would make it believable. Yeah. Well, you know what? Gary's a very honest man, so he's a terrible <laughs> liar. So that was even more reason to like want to trust Gary, right? And it's so funny because Amy was like, "If I come home," and Amy, every other word was a swear word. Right? <laughs> Most cop love her, and she's like. I'm going to blankety blank blank. If I found you're not some, you know, landscaper, but you really are, Gary, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Yep. Yep. And she found out right when the game was over. <laughs> was so she was telling everybody, I'm like, see, mm-hmm. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so we only got about 15 minutes left here. I'd love to hear a little bit about your career in broadcasting and and also you've done some stuff bigger than just sports too i don't know if we're gonna have too much time to actually get into the sports topics today but that's okay because we've had a great conversation regardless yeah you know i um we'll have to yes we, we gotta have another um, we will another yeah we need sure. to we need to do one to kind of like because i know that if we just talk sports people would be like you gotta ask danny about this and this and this yeah. and this it's like all right let's get kind of get those the, all those in kind of like one episode and then yeah. in the future we'll talk some sports and we'll just be able yes, to talk sports yes yes so i have to focus on like like college basketball right that's my that's my passion <laughs> love college basketball um and right now it's so funny because i used to when i worked in sports radio you knew everything going on, right? And I was always, uh, you know, at, at Chiefs training camp or you're at camp, you know, you're interviewing, you're, you know, you're talking to athletes, you're up to date, like it's your job to study, to know. And it's so funny to say, you know, get to study because it's truly like, it's not much studying, right? When you love sports. Um, was always in the know. But then now that I have kids and I've been running around them, I can tell you who's the top, you know, high school baseball players. <laughs> But I can't tell you much about what's going on in the MLB right now. Um, <laughs> every day, you, I'm running. Well, it doesn't help when the Royals are second oh. worst in the league. Yeah. Although I did just have somebody reach out to me about doing an event with um, Alex Gordon and George Brett 
So oh, I'm wow. very excited about that because George Brett, like George is my man. Okay. Love George Brett, Bo Jackson. We named our son Bo after Bo Jackson. Um, <laughs> awesome. But anyway, so I'll just, yeah, make this quick because I know we're running out of time. Got to go to baseball practice. <laughs> um, so I started on sports radio and that's actually really my passion because I love getting to interact with the fans, trash talking, so much fun, especially in Kansas City when you get it. Missouri and KU, Kansas, are the two schools that really and truly like hate each other. Okay. So you get a lot of, you get, a, and they're, they're close in proximity. So it's, a, it was a great rivalry. So I hated when uh, yeah. Mizzou left, right. With the SEC, that, that was a bummer. It's just not the same. Now K-State is, but I think K-State hates us more than we hate them. I don't <laughs> say the word hate. Okay. This is their rival. Fun. Um, we are more with Mizzou, right? But now the K-State's creeped in there and started playing pretty darn good at basketball. We're like, okay. And football. KU's starting to play better in football. Mm. Now all of a sudden – so this could be interesting to see how things play <laughs> out next year in football and basketball. But anyway, um, I also got a little scared that Bill Self was going to retire for a bit there with his little heart. You see, here I go start talking about college basketball. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Bill Self coming back. All is right in the world, okay? Anyway, um, but I loved – Loved, loved sports radio here in Kansas City. Awesome. Love it. And it was just, it was my favorite. You don't make a lot of money in sports radio, but it's the most fun. And um, and then I ended up going to uh, ESPN and worked on the fantasy football show with Ron Jaworski and Antonio Freeman. And that's right when fantasy football was really taking off. Yeah, before really, I'd say that was kind of like, that yeah. was when I think it was probably that year was when they first started making it free. Yeah. You used to have to pay yeah. to play in those leagues. Yep. So the first year I played was the next year because mm -hmm. I played fantasy baseball in 2007. Oh, wow. And then, and then I played uh, fantasy football in 2007. And this was yeah. 2006 that you had the show. So yeah. it was right before the boom. Yeah. yeah, right before it started taking off. And it was so funny hearing Casey talk about them watching the locker room when I was, you know, up on the screen talking about who to start, who to sit, who to get all this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it was so much fun. Those guys were great. ESPN was amazing uh, to work with. And it was cool because I was like the stat girl over there, you know, talking about all the stats. And then um, one day, so I had started beating um, Matthew Berry, who's like the guru, right? And then I beat uh, Ron Jaworski. And he says on the show, it's like a couple shows, a couple episodes into it. He's like, hey, you know what? She needs to come over here and sit on the couch with us and talk football. And it was so cool because then I walked over and sat with all those guys and we were talking trash and just, you know, talking football and talking about obviously fantasy football. And um, it was, it was, it was, a, it was great fun. I had a wonderful time doing that. And then I actually had a really nice little offer to go to Chicago to work in celeb TV. So celebrity, celeb, celebrity news. I know nothing about celebrities. <laughs> so I remember like them have to tell me the difference between Jessica Alba, Jessica Beale, like what I don't know who was what. Okay. <laughs> but it was still fun too. It just wasn't like working sports. But I did do some sports um up up there as well. Some uh, little shows for like CBS, like you know, the 10 greatest shooters of all time that would play during March Madness. So I was still doing some sports work up there as well, which was a lot of fun. But I have a funny story though about Celeb TV, real quick. I was interviewing, uh, it was like Ocean's Eleven or whatever. Um, it was, um, oh, George Clooney was coming on the red carpet. We would interview him. Very nice guy. Okay. Very like programmed, but he was he was cool. He was real friendly. Not arrogant at all. You never know what to expect with Hollywood, right? So then Matt Damon comes up and he sees at this point, I was expecting, Casey and I were expecting our first child. And I was just starting to show. Well, 
they had just had their first child. Okay. Matt Damon and his wife. And, um, so the first thing when he, when he sees me, I'm like, Oh, Hey, Matt Damon. He's like, Hey, Oh, he's like, you're expecting. He's like, when are you due? All he wanted to talk about was when my child was due and then talking about his child and about babies. Now we're supposed to be talking about, you know, his show that he's walking the red carpet for. He was the coolest guy. And he goes, so when are you due? And I said, I'm due October 6th. And he said, well, hold on two days, have him on the 8th. That's my birthday. And I did. I had our first son on October 8th. So I'm like, if I ever meet Matt Damon again, I've got this, you know, fun story to, to share with him. But he was the coolest guy. So just so down to earth. So wonderful. So I had a lot of fun doing the celebrity news as well. There were some really fun stories that came out of that. And Matt Damon's a huge baseball fan. And so we, we talked about that, too. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I came back to Kansas City, started my family. And at that point, um, I wanted to be 100 percent focused on my kids. And so Casey was still playing. Um, I was being mom. That was a lifestyle change. Going from traveling and doing, and all of a sudden I have this kid in a, a bassinet. I'm like, well, what do I do with you? <laughs> you know, can you hit a ball yet? <laughs> uh, and so that was a life changer for me, um, slowing down. But then being a mom's been the greatest job, most rewarding. And now, like, we are having fun. We had fun with sports when they were in t-ball, but it's nothing like now playing high school, like when they finally really know how to play. You know what I mean? Like it's very enjoyable. In the first few years, it's funny, right? You hit the ball, you run the third first instead of, you know, first you're like, okay. Um, but anyway, it's it's great fun now to get to be living it, um, you know, with our kids and enjoying sports as a family. It's a lot of fun. So. Oh, you got to tell the, you got to tell the Jeremy Guthrie story. Oh gosh, yes. So I was um, taking my oldest son to the Royals game and he wanted to go early so he could get autographs of the players. And so I was like, well, let's, you know, let's get there as soon as we can as they're finished up batting practice and stuff. We get down there and Jeremy Guthrie, nicest guy, comes over and signs autographs for kids all day long. All right. So you come down there, Jeremy's signing, uh, signing baseballs. He comes over to my son, Bo, and myself. And uh, he looks up kind of at Bo, like, you know, motions and throw the ball down, Just, you know, throw the ball down. And he gets the ball and immediately looks back up, looks over at me and he goes, Danny? And I was like, yeah, like, do I, do I did you, did I interview you before? Like, and he goes, oh my gosh, Moose, Moose, Moustakis. Like, come here. He gets Moustakis out of the dugout. He's like, it's Danny from Survivor. He's like, oh my gosh. I mean, like they were, and my son Bo was like, what is going on? <laughs> what? You couldn't figure out because he didn't think anything's cool about mom being Survivor winner or dad, you know, playing in the NFL. <laughs> and then, so he says, well, we talked a little bit about Survivor. And then fast forward, I don't know, like a month later, we're walking uh, in this outdoor mall area and we see my son and I see Jeremy again. And he stops and talks to us like, you know, we're just old friends. And my son's like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. So well, Casey's home. <laughs> well, Royal he goes, no. <laughs> those Royals teams apparently love Survivor, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, then Casey, um, it was, uh, was it Scott Pioli who was that I had... I was a cancer survivor or something somebody did. And he was like, no, one survivor. I think it was Scott Pioli. Um, yeah. That was kind of confused on what was what, but it's interesting um, how many uh, people in sports are survivor fans because of like the strategy of it. I think it was one of Casey's maybe offensive coordinators or something. That was a big survivor fan at the time when I had won because of, you know, that strategic part of it. I'm like, how do they have time to watch anything? Right. Like I feel like they're buried into sports all the time. So 
<laughs> Great stories. Matt Damon, uh, it checks out. What I've heard about him is that he's a really nice, down-to-earth, just normal yeah. dude. So uh, that's a great story, too. Yeah, that was really fun. And I know him and Ben Affleck are, like, really good uh, – are big baseball fans. So I love that because baseball was always my first love. I, I just loved baseball as a kid. And I played softball for a little bit but quickly figured out I was a better runner than I was a softball player. So I had to focus on that. One last survivor thing yes. that I know people really wanted to hear about was so um you won. Mm-hmm. However, your edit I wouldn't say you it wasn't it was an edit oh. thing or whatever. You didn't you we didn't get to see as much personality as you have here. Like yeah. you're clearly hilarious. It came out a little bit, um, but there has been kind of like something that's been said that you strategically hid a lot of your information from production. So I would love to let you kind of give your take on that. Yeah. You know, I feel like I still gave productions personality, but I feel like the focus, and that was another reason about returning players. And I get it because Stephanie was such a personality in the first season and everybody loved her. They brought her back. So they focused on her, right? So there was just some focus on other people and not so much me. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we have to show her a little bit because, you know, she ends up winning the game. Um, I figured out quickly from something that happened at the very beginning of the game that some of the questions that they would ask me could figure out what was going on because somebody must have been giving some other information and in interviews. Like it was just, something just wasn't going to add up. And I thought, oh, let's, let's be careful what we give because we don't want anybody to know what the, really what your gameplay is. I don't, I don't want it out there at all. I don't want to know what I'm, you know, the moves I'm trying to make or what's going on. I was very hesitant about it because I was, I was wanting to win. You know, I was there to win, not become a, a superstar personality. And uh, so I still felt like I gained personality and, you know, I just wasn't, I kind of got it under the radar edit just because there was focus on other people. Um, but no, I, I definitely did. And, um, one example of this, too, is like I talked about earlier, Tribal Council, where Jeff Probes got mad at the answer I gave in Tribal Council. But I know what you're doing, Jeff, right? Like, he's trying to do his job. And so he stopped. He's like, stop, stop, stop. He's like, I want to um, ask, you know, stop tape. He's like, vote right. He's like, I'm going to ask this again. And I want a real answer. I don't want to answer that everything's a picnic in Kansas in September. So I was like, mm, okay. And so, he, you know, starts tape up again and we start to roll. And he asked me the same question and I gave him the same answer again. <laughs> I know you're not going to send me home now, Jeff. So um, anyway, yeah, I was, I was a little cautious of that that first time around because just some things that I heard some of my, yeah, when I was doing confessionals, I was like, oh, something's a little off here. So. I think that's your instincts as a sports journalist because you know how to ask questions. So mm-hmm. when you ask the questions and you're trying to get information, now oh, someone's doing it to you and you know exactly what oh, they're yeah. doing. 100%. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Yep. You know, the other thing uh, just kind of goes along with that. But um, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, always being on like in the game of Survivor, like you really can't even sleep. And I mean, Tony was like that this last time. He was constantly on observing everything. And I remember getting on top of those Mayan ruins and I would look down and be like watching the dynamics of everyone. So you knew like strategically what what moves to make and how to play. So anyway, yeah. Well, Danny is a busy mom. She's got kids to take to practice. Both yep. of her boys are excelling in baseball. Um, yeah. Before I thank you and get you out of here, I want to give you a chance 
<laughs> I want to give you a chance to uh, promote or plug anything that you're working on, if there's anything you'd like to kind of share. Um, and I know you have some other stuff that maybe is in the works. Maybe you want to share at a later yeah. date. So yes, go definitely. ahead. There is a really fun project that I've shared with you that um, is in the works. That's really exciting that I think maybe here in a couple of months we'll be able to share. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and it's sports related. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, so I have my company that I sideline chic, uh, sidelinechic.com. Uh, we do a lot of sports apparel. Um, right now, though, we're getting ready to do more fashion pieces because of being a busy mom. A lot of times we don't have time to do all the screen printing and stuff. So we have a little Western uh, wear that we're doing a theme for this spring and early summer. That's a lot of fun. So check that out. But um, yeah, and then in the fall, listen, come July, it's all Chiefs on there. Okay. <laughs> so, and we have to talk draft. We didn't even get to talk draft. Maybe, I don't know, next week we should talk about it. Yeah, that. let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> I got time. Yeah, because it was, um, you know, I, I didn't get to watch any of it in real time because of I had family all in town and we were, listen to this real quick, because then I got to go to baseball. <laughs> we were at the ballpark of this last week, Thursday, Friday, all uh, Saturday, and all day Sunday, and then again last night for games, tonight's practice, but for games. So that's how that goes. And we had a bunch of family in town. So I didn't get to watch in real time, but then catching up, it was so fun to watch some of the people just presenting, you know, the draft picks was a lot of fun. And the smack talk about Kansas city and she's I'm like, we've arrived, because <laughs> you know, they're all talking smack to us, but um, a lot of fun. So yeah, we got to talk about that. Sounds good. She's Danny Boatwright, sideline chic. Yep. Check it out. Buy some merch. Buy some product. Uh, we'll have her again soon. Thank you so much, Danny. This is great. Thanks. Look forward to doing it again. That concludes today's episode with the Survivor winner, Danny Boatwright. So we ended up having a little bit less time than I we initially thought we would. We both are pretty busy. So we ended up not having time to really talk sports news this week. But I'm certain we'll have Danny on again. And next week, I'll be back with... Albert Destrade and Arrestus Destrade, and we'll be talking plenty of baseball. So uh, make sure you guys hit subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on that next episode. Like I said, in a few weeks, we'll have Brooke Struck on, one of Danny's Survivor Guatemala castmates so if you're interested and you want to go a little deeper into survivor guatemala check out that episode and until our next conversation with the big o and albert i'm jack vita bringing the dancing lobsters <laughs> <laughs>